Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. And that's it, it's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Time down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. They have reached the top of the mountain. They are the Stanley Cup champs. It's episode 27 of For Future Considerations, now your 37th favorite podcast that you're finding here, again, anywhere you can find those popular podcasts that may be a little more organized and certainly more informative than ours. But we're here again, Matt, Manny, Rashad, boys, how's it going? Good. Things are great up here. A little bit of snow today, but I was still out barbecuing, so uh, things are great in Markdale. Yeah, yeah. So you're an all-year barbecuer, correct? Yeah, that's right. And actually, what I did the other night when it was snowing and raining, I wheeled the barbecue right up to the screen door by the kitchen, <laughs> stuck Wait my arm second. up, flipped the burger, put my arm back in. Wow. I, I love barbecuing in the winter. I think yeah. it's the best thing ever. So do I. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never... I don't think I've ever owned a cover for a barbecue because... <laughs> What's the point? Barbecue at least once a week. So what's your specialty, Rashad? Uh, usually just burgers. All right. All right. Wow. So I've done everything okay. on, uh, on a barbecue this year. Uh, salmon. Oh, uh, yeah? Yes. On a plank? Are you doing it on a wood plank? It, or It's almost like a, it's a special geared device that Shannon oh. bought because she loves to spend money. Yeah. You, you just put the salmon in Your it. money. Yes, yeah. yes. Just put the salmon in it and then put it on the barbecue. I, okay. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a special. I, I don't want to. It's not a plate. It's like a. You got to get one of those wood planks. So cherry wood planks. Soak it. Put it on the barbecue. It's, really, that's the way to do it. Yeah. What the one thing we got um, that we haven't tried yet is a pizza oven that you put on the barbecue. Oh, I know, and we're breaking that one out. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's paint a picture for you next Saturday. <laughs> About 11.30 at night, <laughs> we're going to take out that pizza oven, we're going to make our own pie, we're going to slide it in there, both of us are going to pass out in the backyard, and that pizza's just going to burn until about 2.30. Burn on the barbecue. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that, I think that's happened before, actually. <laughs> Maybe not with a barbecue, but I think... There might have been an episode where we forgot about a pizza that we were cooking That was cooking the Derby too, wasn't it? I have no idea when that was. God damn, I love the Derby. Boys, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> John, are you excited about the Kentucky Derby? Yes, I love the Triple Crown. I've watched probably every Triple Crown race since I was a young kid. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I think it's clear um, for... For most people, like the tournament style and all of that, like the NCAA March Madness, it can't be beat. But for me, just a singular sporting event, I don't think there's anything that even comes remotely close to the Kentucky Derby for me. Wow. Okay, I have a question, though, before yeah. I'm going to take this right off topic before no, we get started. That's normally my job, John. Go ahead. <laughs> so who do you hold most responsible for the winning of a horse race? Is it the trainer? Is it the jockey? Or is it the horse? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't give any credit to the the jockey. <laughs> um, Put it in order. Like the jockey yeah. gets some credit, right? Of course. Yeah. I I think really I would go trainer jockey horse. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. 
I would go horse trainer jockey. Yeah, that's that's what I am too. Okay, okay. Like the horse does all the work. Yeah, but the the trainer develops the horse into. That's, that's why he's second. <laughs> the race, right, Rashad? Yeah, the, you know why? He's an assistant GM. This is why he thinks that uh, <laughs> the person who organizes the talent is the one who's the genius. Absolutely. In all of this. <laughs> sure, that is so true, Rashad. I mean, that might be the wisest words you've ever spoken on this podcast. <laughs> it was bound to happen sooner or later. <laughs> Episode twenty-seven. That's that's pretty good. I'd have taken the over. Well, boys, I'm out. <laughs> Mic drop. George Costanza. Mic drop. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, I don't give it Bob Bafford any credit for anything that he's done. It's probably one of, if not the most successful trainer in, in horse racing. But um, I would suggest the trainer is the one that, that grooms the horse into the horse becoming what it is. Disagree. I disagree. <laughs> The horse does all the work. <laughs> okay, let's put a pause on that. We'll get into that next week. Uh, we are going to have a, a special edition of the Kentucky Derby um, episode, which I can guarantee is going to be longer than the race, <laughs> maybe longer than the coverage, which is another thing that's Whoa, unbelievable no. about the Kentucky Derby coverage. I, I thought the Super Bowl was bad. That is Kentucky a t- Derby coverage. <laughs> that is a two-minute so race. Long. It is a two-minute race. That race starts just before 7 o'clock. It's normally about 6.50 or so. Two-minute race so they can recap and get to the local news. That that pre-broadcast on NBC or NBCSN or whoever it is, I think it starts at 2. It might start even a little bit earlier on some specialty channels, but it is an, it is an all-day event. It is all-day yep. event. Yeah. Like, at least with the Super Bowl, you've got like a four-hour game. Yeah. No, the, this is The two race minutes. is two minutes. <laughs> So we will get into that next week, of course. But again, we're going to debate a series of topics on this episode of the OT. So we flip things around. Thanks again for uh, Owen Sound, to Owen Sound Attack defender Andrew Parrott for joining us on Wednesday's episode to talk about the not-so-great news of the OHL not coming back. But you can uh, hop on uh, any of your podcast uh, formal website thingies and, and find that episode and again Andrew was was outstanding so if you haven't listened to that conversation please do um, you know I thought he was again uh, excellent speaker and, and presented himself very well and I know he's done a bunch of TV since then so you know he's uh, he's really been uh, head and shoulders for for the players uh, on the uh, OHL side of things so it's great to have him on again. Yeah, and if you haven't heard that first conversation, uh, he was just as articulate, so go back and take a listen to that. Uh, he was one of our most popular guests that a lot of people have uh, given us a lot of feedback on that show. So uh, he uh, talked about his petition and the letter-writing campaign to attempt to get the OHL season going, and uh, even though the OHL season isn't going to happen, it's uh, worth listening to just to hear his mindset and uh, where he was and what he was doing at that time. It was uh, really interesting, and he was really articulate. Yeah, that that really seems to be the uh, the hot topic uh, for anybody uh, on on my Twitter or any of the followers that that uh, we have seems to be talking about that. Also, congratulations to the state of Minnesota for for <laughs> the other big news oh, yes, that's happening week. in uh, yeah. in this week. But yeah, take a listen to uh, uh, to Andrew and and uh, give us some feedback on that. And he's just one of the the plethora of guests that we've had on the show as well. So maybe you know, in between, you you, you know, hop into a nice bath, crank up uh, one. Of 
of the episodes you've missed of for future considerations and uh, and catch up on what everybody's talking about. Yeah, we get we give you options, right? You can listen to the three of us baboons talk about sports, yeah. or you can listen to intellectual conversation <laughs> with some of our guests, like Andrew Parrott or Jeff Kurzakis or Brock Otten, for example, who we've had in the past. Just look back at our previous episodes. I do want to say it was great to see. Um, that Andrew Parrott was able to join us so quickly after mm-hmm. the announcement. And we were able to release that show earlier this week. We caught Andrew, obviously, just a few hours after the announcement was made about the OHL canceling its season due to the COVID-19 pandemic and not being able to get off the ground with um, the Ontario government and its return to play plan. So uh, I really appreciate Andrew, too, uh, for taking time out. And mm-hmm. if, if you did hear that episode, then you know that he and some other players are working on their own little showcase game. And I we hope that that gets off the ground too. Yeah, if he's as good at organizing that as he has been at collecting his thoughts and organizing that uh, petition and everything, um, mm-hmm. I think uh, he'll do well at that. We also want to say congratulations to Ben, who uh, knew the answer to the missing link that we played last week on the OT. So congratulations, Ben. Yeah, so the, uh, the four names that we gave you for the missing link, uh, Trevor Ariza, Mike Sillinger, Jesse Chavez and Eric Dickerson were the names. You had to find the missing link. Ben did. They are the most traded players in the four major sports. That was the combined. uh, That was the combined uh, um, link between the two. Of course, last week talking the NHL trade deadline all kind of played in together. But those are those are the guys. And And Manny, you and I, we were close. We were we were zoning in on that. Yeah, Yeah. you were knocking on the door for sure. Yeah, John and I. I was just going to say, John and I were almost there, Mm -hmm. but not quite there. So um, that's fantastic. Ben joins Stacy, Rob, Sarah, Ryan, and Troy. Uh, we will get in touch with you, Ben, get, talk to you about the great prize that we will send your way for playing with for future considerations. And no game on the OT today, just lots of debate. That's right. And we encourage you to join the conversation. You can email us with any feedback. Our email address is forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. So if you have uh, hot takes or opinions, anything like that, uh, definitely get in touch with us. And we're also on social media, too. A lot on social media, in fact. Yeah, just search for Future Considerations on Facebook or Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. And like we said, we have a lot on the show today. Some hockey, some soccer, some football, baseball talk, too, and some special questions for you on Rapid Fire. So let's start, um, let's start with the OHL. It should be noted that a couple of weeks ago, we, in fact, received permission from the chief medical officer and from the premier of the province that we could return and play. On the eve of that announcement, the COVID-19 conditions dramatically worsened. Uh, We just couldn't safely return to play this season. And like we said, we heard from Andrew Parrott this week. And what do you think of this whole situation? Is this the province or is the league to blame for this? Well, from my perspective, I think it's more the province than the league. Um, Even though I think both bear some responsibility. Let's be honest, like 
first thing is the health and safety of all the players and all the personnel that would be with the team if they were playing. But something that David Branch said on Tuesday stuck with me. He he was asked, and it was a great question, um, if if the league missed an opportunity to play. And David Branch said, if the opportunity presented itself weeks or months ago, the OHL would have taken it and resumed play. So that tells me that the province never really got to the point where they seriously considered allowing the 450 players in the OHL to suit up in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not entirely sure, and I don't think we'll ever really know, uh, that the OHL was that close at any point. I know David Branch did say that uh, the OHL was very close to making an announcement and then the pandemic changed drastically and, and that changed everything. So, I mean, maybe we were, you know, within uh, a day or so of, of actually getting a return to play announcement. But uh, for me, the the blame lands on, on the government as well. And I think we've seen this not just in hockey, but just in the, you know, the, the way that we're trying to operate through this uh, as, as a province and, and as a people. Um, I think it's disappointing that we're still in the same spot that we're in um, as a society in the province of Ontario. Um, you know, I, we see the WHL did get a chance to play. Uh, the Q did get some games in. Uh, the OHL never really came close. It's been now uh, 13 months, as you mentioned in, in Wednesday's episode, since these guys have been in the same room. So, uh, I mean, we didn't get a training camp or anything like that. You know, last week, and, and I mentioned this uh, to us uh, earlier as well, um, for 24 hours I, I was told that I couldn't take my kids to the park, and then that just changed and apparently that's okay now. And it, it just, it the whole thing seems like it's being still made up as it goes along and I think we're so far into this that there needs to be a much better plan than what's actually being laid out on a day-to-day basis. And the OHL got caught up in this. And yes, I don't think the OHL was a priority for the Ontario government when you look at this, because I don't think the Ontario government right now knows what's going on. It's a, it's a great point. Like, um, even the other leagues um, never really got a sniff, in my opinion, from the provincial sure. government, let alone the OHL. Like... Obviously, the provincial government thought it had higher priorities, but as you mentioned, they've messed up a lot of different they things. Don't even know what the priorities are, you know. So, like, again, for like I said last week, for a day I could go to Costco, but I couldn't take my kids to the park, and then that all changed because ludicrous. now the park is fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. The the fiasco about the police rights, mm-hmm. right? Like. <laughs> what the police can do and can't do and can they stop you like they they ruined that completely uh-huh. that was terrible that lasted 24 hours yep. whatever it was how bad does it look where every police department in the province of Ontario says yeah we're not doing that yeah we heard what you said no <laughs> Yeah, shouldn't the prov- oh uh, well, we're not doing that anymore. Shouldn't well, the provincial government have gone to the police force and said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you guys think?" So, uh, the blame on this whole OHL thing, ninety percent, is at the feet of the provincial government, in my opinion. And Commissioner Branch did say that they are considering a plan to expand the age limit for one year for this year's overagers to return. What do you guys think of that idea? I do like that idea. Uh, you know, I I don't think it's you know you're 
you're doubling the amount of, of OAs that you get into the league by, by any stretch. I, I think, you know, we obviously these kids did uh, pay quite a price in, in the overage year. Uh, it can't be overemphasized as such a huge year for a lot of these kids that are planning on playing professional hockey and, and are not done uh, playing hockey after their OHL career ends. So, yeah, I mean, it is going to hurt some of the younger kids. There might be a way to work around that as well, um, which I think has to come hand in hand with this. I do expect the OHL to do something, and, and I think the the tee off to that is is seeing the NCAA and U Sports extend that one year as well. So a lot of these OA kids this year wouldn't even have an opportunity to go play CIS hockey because they've not opened up those spots that are bringing those overage kids from the university level back. So I think there's a trickle down there for sure. Yeah, there's repercussions in all the leagues, mm-hmm. right? And I get it. Maybe there will be less room for 16-year-olds to make your OHL team if you have overagers on the roster. Mm-hmm. But I think it, this is something the league needs to seriously consider because there are 60 players that would have played their OHL, the OHL overage season this year and did not get a sniff mm-hmm. at all by Opening up one or two roster spots for those overagers this year, if you want to call them over overagers, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, not all of them are going to come back anyway. So I don't think you need, you need to open three more spots per team. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's two. I don't know what it is, but I think the league needs to find a spot for these overagers. And I think for the younger kids, they're still going to get an opportunity to play because of that trickle down. They will be able to play in other leagues and develop just at a younger age in another league, whether it's the GOJHL, the Provincial Junior League, or Bantam or Midget Leagues, what have you. Yeah, well, perfect example of that. And, and uh, on Twitter, Mark Mathot, um, former Columbus Blue Jackets Senator, Dallas Star, uh, had tweeted out uh, as well on Tuesday um, saying, I came into the OHL as a 17-year-old, never included in any mock drafts, but I had a good season and got drafted in the later rounds that summer. This will affect many players, stay tough fellas, better days ahead. So, you know, he he doesn't get drafted. He ends up getting picked much later on in his 17 year and he goes on to play 625 odd uh, NHL games. So, yeah, we talk about the overagers and, and how difficult that is for them. It's difficult for the kids that are in the, their draft year. It's difficult for the NHL teams that are going to be drafting these kids uh, that are draft eligible right now. It, it, there's there's nobody that wins out of this. Unfortunately, we're we're still in the same spot that we were after the season got canceled last year. The one thing I did hear from the commissioner that I liked is he said the league and the teams will honor their college and university scholarship obligations Mm -hmm. for this season. So that's good for the players. And he is talking about having a 68 game regular season next year, starting with training camps opening around Labor Day weekend. So time will tell. You hope that the province has its house in order to allow that to happen. And speaking of hockey in the NHL, Patrick Marlowe set a new record this week for all-time games played in the NHL, beating the mark set by Gordie Howe. Congratulations on this astounding achievement and on a career that shows no signs of slowing down. Hockey fans! That's a pretty unbelievable accomplishment, right, guys? Yeah, what do you think about it, Rashad? 
<laughs> oh, here we go. I am going to get hate mail on this. <laughs> this is a great for, accomplishment. For future considerations it? at gmail.com, just to set up the hate mail. Go ahead, John. Well, for me, Gordy Howe played 26 seasons. Patrick Marlowe has done it in 24 seasons. And also, Howe played 500 games in the WHA. So mm-hmm. for me, I think Marlowe has to go a little further to truly beat Gordy Howe's record. Am I a stick in the mud, or does anyone agree with me? I think you're raining on his parade. Uh, listen, I, I think those are valid points, but in this day and age, would you not argue that the competition is faster, bigger, stronger, and this guy is still able to play 1,768 games and counting? Yeah, I don't argue that. It, uh, I think the uh, the game is faster, and I do think um, you have to be in better shape. It requires more of a commitment now. But once you get into a season, once you've started a season, you're playing more games. So once you start a season, you're more likely to get all of those games in rather than when uh, Gordy Howe played, the seasons were shorter, so you had to go through an extra offseason and extra training to get your next set of games in. I think the unbelievable stat about Patrick Marlowe is that um, now that he's reached this mark, uh, he has played in a game or with or against 37% of the total amount of players that have ever played in the NHL. It's an unbelievable stat when you think about it, that the longevity that's, that's there for him. And when you look at his numbers, they're not overwhelming. Uh, you know, he's had four to five, you know, in that in that range, um, four to five years where he was scoring 30 goals, uh, 35 goals, 40 goals he scored in 2009-2010. Uh, um, so obviously he was an offensive player, but he's now accepted the role that he's in. Uh, he's an outstanding leadership guy from the time that you saw with the Leafs and him growing with Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews and, and uh, wow, how highly they regard him still. Uh, and, and back in, in San Jose where it all began for him. So, uh, you know, and we'll pass this question around. Uh, our good friend Mark McKelvey was talking about uh, whether or not he is uh, an NHL Hall of Famer. Where would you put him in that, Rashad? Oh, yeah, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. no disputing that. I, I think so, too, just because of the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have some of the accomplishments as some of the other players in the hall, but mm-hmm. this guy has played 900 consecutive games. Just that alone is a tremendous stat. Further to my previous point about the league being bigger, faster, and stronger, this guy has played 900 consecutive games. Mm-hmm. Like, he deserves to be in the hall and he deserves to be recognized this with this record because I previously didn't think anybody would beat it. Like Mark Messier came really close. Mm-hmm. Um, what was he, eight games shy of the something record? Something like that. Something like that. Um, and now Patrick Marlowe did it. Uh, like he started his career October 1st, 1997. The number one show in the land was just getting set to air its final season, Seinfeld. They were just getting ready for the final season of Seinfeld. This is when this guy started his career. The number one song in the land was by Boys to Men. When was the last time? Which one? Four Seasons of Loneliness. Oh, that's a good one, too. (laughs) So I have no idea if half the people listening to this even know who Boys to Men are. Like, that's how old this guy, Dominic Hasek had just won the Heart and the Vesna. Mario Lemieux just won the Art Ross. 
This is the Wings. We're the defending Stanley Cup champs. Mm -hmm. This is how long ago this guy has played. This is the fall of 97, you said, right? Yes. A young John Rashad. 1997. A young John Rashad was settling in for his second year of college. Oh boy! And what an epic year that was! Uh huh. That's when uh, that's when you got rid of the V card, right? <laughs> that was my wedding night, Matt. But we don't want to talk about that. Like, come on, this guy deserves some credit. When John Rashad is in his second year of college, and this guy has been playing hockey ever since. Yeah. Like, just the amount of wear and tear on his body and he's still able to play God, the amount of wear and tear on my body in that amount of time and i don't play hockey <laughs> well remember yeah. you just lost your v card on your wedding night what was that three years ago when was that <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of records in the nhl um i haven't looked at anything in a while um in the record book what is the next big nhl record to fall so I think the one that's closest, maybe not the biggest one or, or one that is uh, is really going to knock anybody's socks off, is the power play goals. So Alexander Ovechkin um, is five within five of Dan, Dave uh, Andrewchuk's record uh, for power play goals. So he should break that record. Um, there are a few guys that are in line as well for the uh, consecutive games played record, um, which um, Patrick Marlowe is part of that too. The other one that I know Noticed as 964 well. is the record, right? For that, Doug Jarvis. That's right. Doug I believe Jarvis, that's what most it is. Consecutive yeah. games played, 964. That's right. And the other one that I noticed that's uh, right up there too. And this one is going to be a little bit longer down the road. Um, but uh, games coached. Um, so Scotty Bowman, uh, obviously the head uh, uh, heads and tails above everybody else, but there's still some guys in there that could reach that mark. Uh, a Joel Quinville, uh, Barry Trotz, Paul Maurice, those types of coaches. Um, if they do, again, they've got the longevity as far as their their deals are concerned. So that is one that that could fall fairly soon, but it's not going to be imminent like Ovechkin's power play marker. Yeah, there's Ovechkin's power play, which he will set this year. He's he's on a tour. Right, probably is by the end of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> he's I, he's been playing. Patrice Bergeron is tied with Bob Gainey for the most Selkie Trophy wins. They each have four. I think Bergeron will set that record. But everyone's talking about will Ovi catch Wayne Gretzky's goals? Gretzky eight hundred and ninety four career goals in the NHL, and Ovi is seven hundred thirty. Is that right? Around seven hundred and thirty. So does from 730 to 894. So that's 164 goals he needs to score. I don't think he'll get there. What do you think? Side bet? You you know what? I'll I'll uh I'll take I'll take OV in that. Really? Yeah, I I feel like he's just uh he is going to be a guy that is going to die on the ice playing hockey. I don't think Washington would ever get rid of him. I, I don't think it's you You possibly can at this point. Um, I still think he serves a purpose. I don't think he's slowed down. I think he'd be in a great spot if we had a full season this year, if we had a full season last year. Uh, I think he'd be very close. Um, so I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Well, you got him in the pool, so you can see he's how many been, points he's... He's been great. He's, he's been great up. in the pool, yeah. But in some of the games that we've watched, I don't think he's slowing down. No. And a guy who I just really enjoy watching because 
it's hard. It's 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 impossible for you to watch Alex Ovechkin and, and not get a sense that he just loves playing hockey. Like they score to make it six one, and you know, them winning. He's still jumping against the boards and high five and everybody. Like he just loves being there. I, I don't think he's going to leave. And I think you know when you get to a certain point in your career, um, you know the comparison that I've got. Uh, for for that on the baseball side, we always see is Miguel Cabrera, very close to three thousand hits, very close to five hundred home runs. Um, if at some point Alexander Ovechkin starts getting a little selfish uh, and and he's playing for the record, I don't mind that at all. I, I think he deserves a fair shot. I think he's been ripped off over the last calendar year, um, and I'd love to see him do it. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest, I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh my God. Oh, wow. And now it's time for our play of the week. And it's brought to you by London Awnings. If you need an awning for your home or your patio, visit London Awnings. Quality that shows. We put four options out on social media, something that uh, we're going to be doing uh, every week on Twitter. Uh, Podcast FFC is our Twitter handle. You get to pick uh, what that play of the week is going to be. And you wonderful people, you picked something very near and dear to my heart. Simmons through the middle, left wing, Nick Robertson back in front to Simmons, deeps and what a save by Holpe, a windmill stop as he was lying on his back with his pads in the air and kicked it out, covered it up, it's still 2-1, to I cannot believe it. That's my boy, Braden Holpe. Who you said is terrible, by the way. (laughs) I think maybe... Maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> it's want, true, actually. You I said, wanted to send this guy out in the, into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because I said he hadn't made a game-saving save yet, and there you go. He just needed a couple of weeks. I guess my message finally got to him. I, I hadn't uh, heard from John Rashad. We've got a little chat that we uh, were in the three of us just playing about the show and stuff throughout the week, and then um, I was just sitting down and enjoying a, a beverage after a, a long summer's or uh, spring's evening, and uh, I had messages. My phone just blows up all of a sudden, and it's John. <laughs> like, oh, they're playing the Leafs, and they're hanging in there at least. Oh, and then the, the save, and then the win, and uh, and then we started planning the parade. Rogers went down <laughs> right after that. So I was suggesting that uh, Rogers was now playing that parade from uh, from west to east. Yes, Rogers Wireless lost yep. power because of the Canucks victory. <laughs> Although it was great to see the Canucks win. First game back from COVID nineteen. Yep. How many games did they miss? How many days did they not even play hockey? Like that was great to see. And I got to give kudos to your boy JT Miller who came out too and was mm-hmm. really honest and said they weren't ready to play. There were some unbelievable plays last week. Did you see the Villanova QB? Throw that touchdown pass. Daniel Smith taking it. They're throwing it, Steve. Daniel Smith will run. He's taken down. That's a touchdown. He flipped it up in the air. He threw it up in the air. Wow. He got rid of it just in time. Was that real? Or did did he get hit and just his arms flailed out and the ball got there? I think because he was flying down, the ball See, slipped out that, of his hand. Yeah, I don't think that was even a throw. That's a, I, I didn't I didn't vote for that one. Um, <laughs> I've watched that, that five times, and I can't figure out if that was intentional or not. Yeah, I've watched I, don't, that. I don't think it was. I uh, think it was the lucky play of the week. Uh, I, there were more than four. Like Luka Doncic's uh, yep. shot was yep. unbelievable. We had a no-no in there. Yeah, um, we had some great catches in baseball. 
Um, Mookie Betts. Yes. Oh, man. Look, Alex Verdugo. Yeah. It was great. So, again, keep an eye out on our social media accounts. We'll post the candidates for the top play of the week and let you decide on our Twitter account, Podcast FFC. And now let's get to some baseball. In the air to center field. Taylor going back. And Nando's left the building. Fernando Tatis Jr. returns to the Padres lineup and lifts it out of the yard. You guys had a really good debate on Twitter about the first game in the weekend series between the Dodgers and the Padres that went five hours. Matt, do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I, I would not, like, as a diehard Tiger fan in, in 2006, as the Tigers are marching to the World Series, they're playing a big game against the Minnesota Twins, and it's, you know, we're, we're right down to the wire. We're in the last week of the season, and that game goes five hours. I'm not watching that. I watched that game. That's, oh, man. When did that end here over here? 2.30 in the morning? Oh, the, the Padres-Dodgers yeah. game? Yeah, it was around two thirty, three o'clock. Well, it had to been, yeah, it had to have been even later than that. I, I don't get it. I, baseball has such a big problem with the speed of their games, and, and I mean, this game was extreme. Twelve innings, uh, you know, seventeen pitchers uh, that got thrown in there. One of them was an infielder. Uh, so, I mean, we it was it was drastic to say the least. The next day, the Dodgers and Padres play a two nothing game that goes three hours and twelve minutes, like. That we talk about the speed of hockey, how quick basketball is. You know, baseball is getting slower and slower, and there there's no control over what's going on here. I, I think we had a great debate uh, on Twitter, and please, when we do comment and you you see that, throw your opinions out there. You, you know, we'll we'll read them on the show, or you know, we'll at least get into it as well. So I appreciate Andrew got into that as well. Yeah, uh, a couple other people, a few did other too. guys. Yeah. So I mean, it was a great it was a great conversation, but man, I just. Like in the World Series games, in the playoff games, and all that, you get longer and longer. You know, every time the Yankees and Red Sox play, it's a four-hour affair. I just I don't have the time or the interest to watch the 18th game of the regular season, maybe the first of 18 games that the Dodgers and Padres play against each other this year at 2:30 in the morning on a on a Thursday or into a Friday. Listen. Uh- I am on the same bandwagon as you, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that the the stops in between the half innings, the mm-hmm. the mound visits, they're useless. They're too long. They don't need to be that long. I don't even need to think. I don't even think they need that many mound visits in the middle of a game. But I did not mind that this game went so long because it was twelve innings. They had a benches clearing brawl. Well, not a, no fisticuffs, but uh-huh. they cleared the benches. They these were the two best teams in baseball. First time they met, everyone is still talking about the game and waiting for the next time these two teams meet. Out of the 430 games that have been played in Major League Baseball so far this season, only one has gone that long. I think you can live with it. And as a pure baseball fan, you can live with that. I don't think anybody that was a pure baseball fan sat there and went, wow, this is too long. I think they're sitting there going, wow, this is fantastic. These, this is like playoff atmosphere baseball. 
One thing I like about baseball in that way is that a game can go into over like extra innings over time compared to hockey, um, and you don't know when it's going to end, right? There's no clock. Whereas I find hockey, I often say, why don't they play until there's a winner? Instead of having the artificial three-on-three and then a shootout, why don't they do like baseball where you could tune in to any game on any given night and you might watch a game go two or three overtimes? I think that's... That potential to me is is interesting um, if they can cut down on the mound visits and the uh, all of the other shenanigans that go on. I don't mind seeing um, you get down to your last couple of pitchers late in innings and someone wins a game in the 14th inning. I don't mind that. No, I, I think that that drama is there, and I, and I appreciate the drama of baseball that it hangs on on every single pitch. Um, I don't necessarily like the NHL overtime because I feel like most Hate teams it. are just playing for for the point, and and then they get into overtime and they're just trying not to lose instead of trying to win the game. I, I think that's a strategy for more teams than than not. But the problem for me is baseball is is just the time. I mean, if everything you represented there in that description were shot was like a little bit over three hours. I mean, that's that's nonstop action. That's that's great. But five hours, I mean, that is, it's 20% of a day, of a full day, one game. It's Baseball's got a massive problem. When was the last time we had a good rivalry in baseball? Like Red Sox-Yankees? Yeah, Red Sox-Yankees. Is that when, even still good now? Like, I no. think the Dodgers-Padres has something brewing here mm-hmm. where it's almost like must-watch. Maybe you don't want to watch for five hours, mm-hmm. but you want to see what's happening in those games when those two teams play. What do you guys think about the comments made by Ryan Tepera of the Chicago Cubs where he said baseball has become a bit soft after he was suspended for three games for throwing behind a batter? Do you guys think baseball is soft? I think he's a thousand percent right. I think baseball is the is the softest sport out there. The the you know like Manny alluded to in the Dodgers Padres series the bench clearing ball they don't even touch each other they walk out of the dugout you make these shove. poor fat ref, uh, relievers in the <laughs> in the bullpen have to run all the way out there to just go check and see what the weather's like in the dugout it's not it's not entertaining and the brushbacks and the the hit by pitch and the you know the guy's flipping his bat farther than the ball and then he gets mad that he gets hit by a pitch the next time out like stop baseball is a very very soft sport and and to your point Manny when you were talking about the Dodgers and Padres there is something about this to me that's made up right now I'm not buying this yet I think the rivalry the rivalry there's something about it that just seems fabricated that because baseball is soft because the Padres are coming in, they want to take on the the top dogs, and you know they want to take on the Dodgers. They're in San Diego; it's their first chance to play the Dodgers. I don't know what's in this for the Dodgers yet. And you know, Mookie Betts slide and make the catch and, to end the end the one game. But then Clayton Kershaw starts chirping guys. Trevor Bauer's Jackson punching his. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, it, it, to me at this point, it just it seems a little bit phony. Maybe it develops over time, but to, yes, to, to answer your original question, John, you know, the fact that you throw the ball behind a batter and you get three games for it is, is it's, it's embarrassing. 
So, so on the rivalry front, I think the Dodgers are worked up because the Padres went out and added, 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 added sure. to their lineups. Gave Tatis a huge contract, added mm. three new pitchers to their rotation. And I think the Dodgers... All they did is go out and get Trevor Bauer. Right. And they're there going, we're still the best. You're not even close to us. I think that's what they went out to prove, where the Padres were out there trying to prove that, hey, you guys aren't the greatest. So I think there's a rivalry there. I'm surprised about your answer that baseball is soft. I totally agree. Yeah. I think baseball's very soft. I think in some cases, baseball has to police itself. Mm-hmm. And all Tapera was doing was throwing behind the pitcher going, you hit my guy, you're not going to get away with that. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't do that next time because he's my teammate and I'm going to stick up for him. What happened to the good old days where baseball used to police itself? And I miss that. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree that baseball is soft. One thing I will say in Matt's defense, just to preempt uh, some heat on social media, uh, Matt's not one of us uh, hockey guys who slams baseball and that kind of thing. You actually played baseball. So when you're talking about uh, games taking too long, that type of thing, you you know what you're talking about because you've you've played the game. So. Oh, baseball is my favorite sport. I, I've been watching baseball since since I was three years old. I I love the game of baseball. I'm, I'm afraid of what's happening to the game of baseball. And I think that, you know that comes with the the length of time of games. I think it comes with the you know for for me the way Major League Baseball is set up right now. I would argue that there's no there's never been a time that there is more young, flamboyant, entertaining personality talent in the game, especially in the young players that are coming up. And you know the Tatis has got the the flash, and Mookie Betts is cocky, and and we're we're trying to take that out of the game apparently, and you know one of the biggest problems I think baseball has as far as the personality thing is God bless him, but Mike Trout is about as boring as the bottom of my shoe. He doesn't really say anything. That, I mean, he's a good looking guy, but there's really nothing to market him by. Uh, and when you get these personalities out there and you get these guys that, you know, bat flip and, and throw this around and then that, that's entertainment. That, yeah. That's exactly what that is. And, and I, I worry about the direction baseball's going. I don't I don't see a problem with bat flips and stuff like that. If you no. don't like the guy flipping his bat, strike him but out. That's but you, that's that's just it. I don't I don't have a problem with the bat flips either, but you do it you're going to pay for that at some point. It might not be your next at bat, but in the second inning with the bases empty and you're the leadoff man in a nothing nothing game in the middle of June, somebody's going to hit you and you take it, you go to first base, you don't whine about it. Yeah, you don't have your your 73-year-old bench coach come out and uh, like you know, there's be no a man reason to be whining. Take it. it, go to first base, you got an extra base, they gave it to you. They didn't want to pitch to you. They decided to hit you. Walk over and, and continue the game. We also wanted to talk about the idea of a European Super League in soccer, which uh, I love this quote. UEFA president uh, called uh, the clubs that are trying to organize this uh, snakes and liars. (laughs) Isn't that a board game? Isn't that a board game? (laughs) (laughs) So this idea seems to be dying before it even got started. Do you guys like the idea of a Super League with 20 teams? I hate it. I think it's terrible. Uh, I did know that (laughs) all six... Premier League teams that were in this Super League have now withdrawn from the Super League. So this is like the 
the quickest death of a league ever, I think. But in saying that, I just think the idea is terrible. Like, this is just about greed and money. The richest teams just wanted to get richer and create an upper class, uh, even two levels of upper classes, really, if you think about what they're trying to do here. I think this is the stupidest idea ever. And I think it's great. I think it's a great <laughs> idea for... for the- <laughs> For the fact that Mandy doesn't like it, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I don't know what any of these teams are. I don't, still don't really understand what they're trying to do, other than just break away and form their own league. And they're talking about some of these guys. They'd be able to suspend them from playing in the World Cup, and the Euro Cup. Like I know, I know money talks, but I feel like that's something these players don't want to miss out on. And you see it now, just dropping off the side of the the cliff there. But I mean, if they ever start talking about it again, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> can you Im- can you imagine a World Cup without the best players in the world? It'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be. A, it it'd would be, be amazing. It'd be Rashad playing <laughs> center fullback. I'd probably know eight people in the tournament. That'd be so cool. Shane Topolovic would be playing for sure. He ain't chasing the. <laughs> Superstar Premier League. So dumb. Shane Topolovic would be uh, would be head midfielder. <laughs> it's terrible. And now it's time for rapid fire. Are you guys ready? Yeah, yeah let's go. Are you ready? We start with a listener question on the subject of a Super League. Kiefer wants to know if you'd like the idea of a Super League and would it work for any North American professional or college sport? See, I, I, you could probably do it in college sports, yeah. right? Like, you could probably have a Super League for college football. Mm -hmm. Although I still think it's a terrible idea because you're creating two tiers of leagues now, and I don't like it. Yeah. What about the XFL-CFL merger? One of them is a Super League, (laughs) and then the CFL is just uh, one step above high school. What do you think of that, Rashad? Wow. (laughs) You went there, eh? It's just terrible. <laughs> um, I think the closest thing we have to like a super league is kind of the Memorial Cup in a way, because you get the best teams from each league playing for a final tournament. But that's for two weeks, not yeah. for an entire season. Yeah, yeah, that's true. right. Um, like I, you already have different tiers in different leagues. Like in Major League Baseball, you have. Single A, double A, triple A, and and the majors in the NHL. And then you've got the AHL and the East Coast Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Granted, they don't play against one another all the different leagues, but you've got a farm system. Like, uh, I understand the Super League is all the teams that would be playing together right now. It would be like... The SEC. Right, in college football. Yeah. Right? Uh, You're creating a second class that I don't like. And uh, sort of in that vein, actually, Grant wants to know, should the NHL relegate the three worst teams to the AHL? Do you imagine that? <laughs> no. Do you imagine <laughs> telling the Buffalo Sabres, oh, sorry, guys, uh, this, this wasn't your year. Your next game is in Newfoundland against the Prowlers. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. 
And then, uh, and and I was then, talking to my buddy Zach about it, and, and he was going back and forth about like you promote the three teams from the AHL, right. bring the two, so the Toronto Marlies end up playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, right? And Kyle Dubas is sitting there, God, just nobody get hurt, nobody get hurt, nobody get hurt, <laughs> zero zero tie game, let's just get out of here. Well, and, and make uh, the three bottom teams to have something more to play for. But I think there's a whole lot of problem with that. I don't like it at all. No, there's one thing to be the worst team in the league and get the fourth overall pick in the draft. There's another to be the worst team in the league, and now you got to go play the Toledo Walleye or something (laughs) in the next league. But if you're the worst team, do you still get the first overall pick and play in the AHL? I don't know. How would that work? I don't know what you get. You take the first overall pick and you're like, hey, great news. You're coming to the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, we're in the AHL now, by the way. So get ready. We're going to Grand Rapids. (laughs) we're staying at the motel six yeah it's actually an airbnb guys sorry uh we we could hop on the bus boys come on jack i thought i was getting drafted into the nhl not the ahl could you imagine Hey, if the Leafs and the Marlies play each other, who does David Ayers play for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carolina, of course. I I do wonder if you were to bring up, and let's just say in a singular series, uh, you know, a a three-game series, the three best teams in the AHL and the worst three teams in the NHL and do a tournament, how that tournament would play out. Would the NHL team just run over? Like, really, you know, bottom three teams in the league. Are the Buffalo Sabres that much better than the best team in the AHL? I think they would be still. I would would hope so. I would think they would be. I would hope so. And the Washington football team sent an email to season ticket holders to vote on a new team name. Some of the options were the Aviators, the Riders, the Razorbacks, and the Defenders. What do you guys think this NFL team should be called? Oh, another football team called the Riders. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have any of that. Why don't we just call them the Rough Riders? (laughs) Oh, I almost wanted to leave that name out because I knew we were going to get to this. (laughs) Well, they're playing in the uh, the Super League with the XFL anyways. (laughs) I really don't like any of the other names they put out there. Like the, there's even a few others you didn't mention, like the Red Tails. Like, the Belters. Like, what are we doing here? You might as well just call themselves the Washington football team. Yeah, it really is the best option. Not having a name, the names that you come up with, is is the best option. Um, you know, I, I don't understand most of the tie-ins. I mean, the Washington Defenders sounds like, uh, you know, an EA Sports team name that you kind of create. Like, there's, you know, I, I think for, for some of these teams that are going through the name changes and, and dealing with the, the pressure to do that, I think the, the smartest way to go is if you can go backwards and rename yourself something from the past, then... You know, take that and and run with it, and and you know, bring back some of the nostalgia of of what you've been before. Don't try to become. Oh, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a Defenders fan. I don't I don't even think that fits for anybody. The Washington Rubies, like, come on, like the Washington Commanders just sounds cheesy. Yeah. The Washington Presidents sounds cheesier. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there's a... I don't mind the aviators, but I don't know what that connection is. I I like the Washington Warriors, Mm -hmm. like a a play on the WW type thing. Yeah. Um, 
alliteration. I was surprised senators wasn't in there. They always, any government city, they always seem to like to try and put senators into a team name. Yeah, Federals, I think, was another one that I've uh, read as well. What about the Washington Capitals? Why don't you just take their name? (laughs) Uh, We couldn't come up with any of our own, so we're also the Washington Capitals. (laughs) Uh, we also have a listener question from David about the Pittsburgh Steelers who extended the contract of coach Mike Tomlin through the 2024 season. And uh, David wants to know if we like that deal. I don't know. The Steelers fell off a cliff last year uh, and their, their coach just got a three year extension. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would be thinking it might be time to change the voice in the locker room. I like Mike Tomlin as a coach, I just don't know if his voice still works in that Steelers locker room. Yeah, the timeline's interesting for me. And like you said, you know, they they had a good year last year, um, you know, to lose right out of the gate to the Browns in the playoffs. The years before that were nine and seven, I believe, or they had a tie in there. Then they ended up going eight and eight the one year. So there have been some down years. I mean, the, the two sides of the coin are, is there a better coach out there that you think you'd be able to get? And I think Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches that we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. So maybe not. But to your point, this will be year 14 uh, as a head coach in the NFL. And there's not a lot of people. I mean, there's some coaches that don't go 14 weeks uh, in the NFL as a head coach, let alone 14 years. So I can understand the change. I think the concern is, you know, the change just for the sake of changing why would you fix something that's working you know and i think pittsburgh is going to end up being one of those teams that turns over a lot sooner than later depending on what happens with juju and ben roethlisberger and and that so you know there's there's going to be some change uh in pittsburgh and i'm surprised it's very rarely the case that the coach is going to be part of that transition i think they got one more year with this group and then they're rebuilding yeah and maybe they can rebuild on the fly and be pretty good in doing that. But um, I don't know if uh, Mike Tomlin's the guy to turn that franchise around. There are also some rule changes coming in the Atlantic Baseball League. There's a double hook DH rule where the DH is removed from the game at the same time as the starting pitcher. And they're also going to move the mound back a foot. What do you guys think of these changes? Well, the moving the mound back a foot is uh, to give hitters a chance. And I, I think there's there's no su- surprise in baseball that baseball is just becoming a three-outcome game. You're either going to walk, strike out, or hit a home run. And that's really where even scouts are, are talking about, you know, I'll deal with 120 home runs if the, or strikeouts if the guy gives me 40 home runs and, and walks. 75 80 times and that just ends up being the result so i mean the the idea behind this is you give them a foot they might be able to to see the ball or catch up to the ball a little bit quicker so i'm not sure i've never stood in a batter's box of a major league pitch so i'm i'm not sure what that extra foot is going to do as far as time i read somewhere it goes from 95 miles an hour to 93 miles an hour. okay okay i'm still not getting around on one of those but <laughs> john would though so he, yeah john he, he did that over the green monster john, oh yeah john i think would. it looked like a beach ball to me <laughs> <laughs> oh here we go again lobbing them in hey buddy bam don't flip your bat though that's gonna make people upset yeah. john Rashad's a poor sport <laughs> I hate the mound moving the the idea of moving the mound. Yeah. It's too drastic of a change for baseball. Like why do we have to change the mound which changes 100 years of baseball? Uh-huh. 
right? The mound has always been, what is it, 60 feet, 6 60 inches? 6 inches, yeah. Yeah, instead of 61 feet, 6 inches. Why do we have to do that? Just tell kids to spray the ball a little bit more like they do at Tiger Comerica Park right now, right? Yeah. No, I've never gotten that uh, that that aspect of, of baseball. The shift to me, you know, again, is to get a little, a little bit off topic. I mean, that's something that people hate, that they talk about taking out of the game. I mean, start teaching some of these kids in, ho- in college to hit to the right side of the field. I mean, isn't that the easiest, you know, Miguel Cabrera is one of the best contact players I've ever seen. They don't shift on him. When Victor Martinez was playing for the Tigers, yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a left fielder, there wasn't a yes. third baseman, there wasn't a shortstop. The third base coach disappeared. He wasn't even like everybody's on the right side of the field, and he'd two hop one to the second base slash half right fielder. I mean, hit the ball the other way, ha- check a swing down the third base line, right. and get on first base, get get on base. Uh, to me, you know, and again, we got into this uh, earlier as far as the time. Uh, Ultimately, I think the only thing that baseball needs to be concerned with is making their game faster. Does either of these make the game faster? No. So forget them. Get rid of them. I don't mind the double hook on the DH. Uh, I'd like to see how it would work, Mm -hmm. right? If your DH gets out as soon as your starting pitcher gets out, you better hope your starting pitcher can go five innings, right? But I think the biggest rule change that they should consider and trying out in the Atlantic League is stopping the shift. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, you you can't you can't have another infielder on the outfield grass as part of the shift. Don't allow a shift. Period. No, see, I I'm against that completely. I I think the shift. If you're not going to hit the ball to the left side of the field, and it is proven that you are not going to hit the ball to the left side of the field, why should I have to keep? somebody on the left side of the field to increase your chances of getting a base hit and not striking out. That's to me, that's completely unfair, but stop the shift. I'm going to put up a sign. How about this? How about you don't get to call a timeout and just walk out to talk to the pitcher whenever you feel like, Oh, I totally agree with that too. This is catchers. This is pitchers or this is pitching coaches. This is managers. You get to go out there once in a game and you get to step off the rubber Three, four times a game as a team. That's it. You you want to go out there and you think the the second guy in second base is stealing uh, your signs and you got to go out there and talk about changing signs or how we're going to pitch to this guy. Figure out another way. And Matt, your favorite, Joe Buck, is going to guest host on Jeopardy. Will he be better than Aaron Rodgers and should he do it permanently? Joe Buck better be better than than Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. He's a professional broadcaster. (laughs) I think he better be. I think think he's going to be excellent. Uh, I know that he's a name that's in the running to be uh, a host. um, Permanently. Permanently for that show. I think he would be outstanding. Um, I think he's a very knowledgeable person from anything I've read about him. And it's not just football and it's not just baseball. Um, but I think he would, I think he's going to carry himself very well. I think he's got a very dry personality and a dry sense of humor. I've always been a big Joe Buck fan. I think he's going to do great. I think he, I hope he does. I think everything he touches turns to gold. I think he'll be great on Jeopardy. And I think he has a legitimate shot. Mm Mm-hmm to be the permanent host. And I think he can do it in the off season. Like they tape these shows. Yep. Like he could tape them in the off season of football and still be able to do some baseball games too. Like I, I think he'd be great at it. What do you think, John? 
Yeah, I think he'd be great at it too. And uh, yeah, the scheduling would work because I think they only do like two or three big taping sessions a year where they do three or four weeks of really intensive taping and then they go away for several months. So he should be able to pull that together, no problem. And uh, they've also just announced season two of Ted Lazo starting July 23rd. Will you guys be watching? Most definitely. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a great show. It was. It was. It got a little too deep. <laughs> At times, <laughs> a little yeah. too deep for me uh, in uh, in that uh, first season. But uh, Shane Topolovic, next level athletics and Windsor strength and nutrition and all that. He said, "You got to watch the show. You got to watch the show." Uh, I love it. It's it's my favorite show. It's about soccer. It's great. It's motivational. I love it. I said, Shane, I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe we'll get into it. And he was right. It's a it's a great show. You liked it, even though it's about soccer. I know. <laughs> and finally, as we record this show virtually. Did you guys see the Quebec politician, William Amos, who was caught stark naked on a Zoom meeting during a House of Commons? Uh, yeah, was it House of Commons? It uh, was a House of Commons session. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have you guys come close to being caught in a position like that before? That's why they, we don't stream our, uh, our podcast. <laughs> That's it? why it's an audio-only right. podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine John Rashad with oh. a camera? Like... Nobody would want to talk to us. They'd all want to talk to John Rashad. <laughs> it's kind of like to paint a picture of John Rashad. It's kind of like a better looking Zac Efron. <laughs> a little, a little, like, little better built Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, you know what I, mean? I was going to say Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I, 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 that or Kiefer Sutherland. Like when Sutherland was in his prime. Yeah. I look at him and I look at John Rashad and I can't tell the difference. No, no. Yeah, I see those two guys and I'm like, yeah, you guys have good personalities. That's why people like you. <laughs> oh, look at him. He's cute. How do you not know your camera's not on, though? Or your camera's not on? Even that in, what do you do? You're in your office just walking around naked? There's uh, no said... way that's the first time that ever happened, too. That's the thing. Like His staffers must just be like, oh, where's, where's William today? <laughs> Little Willie. I think he claims he was out taking a jog or something and he was going to change in his office or something. Yeah, he, he just got back from a jog and had a shower. But the, the thing is, it wasn't public. Like, nobody could see it. Somebody took a picture of it and then leaked it. Like, how bad do you have to hate someone to leak that picture to the media? That's terrible. That is. That really is. <laughs> really it's, I wouldn't do that to you guys well I mean you'd be doing the world a favor I think if you did that <laughs> I just feel bad for the guy because now his, off his office nickname is just going to be Little Willie <laughs> but it was it was cold <laughs> I was in the pool he was in the pool <laughs> And that's our show for today. Remember to email us with your answers, feedback, suggestions, show ideas, screenshots of politicians, even your own hot takes. If you agree or disagree with us at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. They shrink like a frightened turtle. <laughs> that was a <laughs> Follow us as well on social media, podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook as well, <laughs> at For Future Considerations.
<laughs> uh, how many Seinfeld references can we put in oh, this episode? Oh, man, keep them coming. Oh, man, we want to thank our sponsors on the show, London Awnings, quality that shows. And we want to thank Shane Topolovic from Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. And uh, <laughs> and his recommendations for TV shows. <laughs> and TV recommendations, yep, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Shane does host classes virtually. But I guarantee that his clothes are on the entire time. I don't think the camera's got that much of a zoom on it, so. (laughs) And on that note, thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.